0: You're listening to The Influencer Podcast, episode number three. In last week's episode, you heard our conversation with digital entrepreneur and founder of I Love Creatives, PeopleMap.co, and Made with Map, Jennifer Puno, who walked us through the steps of effective social media marketing, how she grew her Instagram from zero to 80,000 in just a year, and the number one game-changing tool that helped her reach a tipping point in online influence. In this week's episode, we chat with branding and digital agent Dustin Parker. Dustin leads branding and digital efforts at APA Agency, one of the largest diversified Talent agencies in the country. His clients include names like Shay Mitchell, Patrick Starr, and Blair Fowler, who have amassed a massive subscriber following of over 10 million just on YouTube alone. Dustin shares tips on how to start conversations with the brands that you want to work with today, why it's important for influencers to say no in order to grow, and four ways an influencer must stay authentic online. Welcome to the Influencer Podcast. Each week, Julie Solomon, a marketing strategist and New York Times best selling publicist, takes you behind the scenes with successful influencers, bloggers, and industry elites in conversation to share how they engage, persuade, and grow their unique influence. Her mission is to share exclusive insider tips, wisdom, and action-based tools to help you strengthen, monetize, and build your own industry-leading influence. Hey, influencers, and welcome to this week's episode. I am so beyond
1: thrilled to introduce you to my dear friend, Dustin Parker. Dustin is an industry elite as one of the top and most sought after agents in the business. Dustin leads branding and digital efforts at APA agency, which is one of the largest diversified talent agencies in Los Angeles with headquarters in Beverly Hills, New York, Nashville, Atlanta, and London. Dustin's impressive talent roster includes some of the biggest influencers, YouTubers, and bloggers of today, including mega names like Patrick Starr, Manny M.U.A., YouTube sensation Blair Fowler, founder of Hello Gorgeous Angela Lanter, international vlogger Carla Elise, and founder of the wildly popular blog Damn Delicious Chunga Ray. His clients have amassed a subscriber following of over 10 million just on YouTube alone, so you know that he is doing a lot of something. Right here. Dustin does wear about 15 million hats, which you are totally going to hear about all today. But most of all, he truly is one of the most giving and heartfelt people in this industry. He has always just been such a supporter of authentic, diverse, and really creative talent and really does go above and beyond for his clients and for this industry and really just impacting it for the better. So I feel privileged to work with him and be able to call him a friend. You guys are totally in for a treat today. So, Dustin, Welcome!
2: Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, intro, I, I mean I've got got a lot to live up to.
1: <laughs> well, you are absolutely fabulous, and I am just so excited to really dive into this because I think that what you do in this industry of, you know, influencer marketing, digital marketing, um, social media is so not only vital and important to the to the sustainability of this industry, but really just. A cool and unique um part of this um of this business, and really one that I don't think a lot of people really fully understand so I really just kind of want to dive on in today, and for those who are not familiar, and I know that I've just kind of like (laughs) name-dropped like nobody's business, but can you give us a quick background on how you really got to this fabulous status as an agent at APA, and a little bit more about yourself starting really with what I want to talk about, because I know a little bit about it, but I want to explore it, with your work in Las Vegas. I really, um, you know, I would love for you to share with our listeners kind of what you did in Las Vegas, because I think that it's a really kind of unique way that you started your career and really how it kind of impacted your view of this world of influencer marketing and really kind of set the stage for you as an agent.
2: Absolutely, yeah. Um, So, you know, while I was in Las Vegas, I, you know, went to school for business slash marketing and I started working uh, at nightclubs doing PR on their, you know, red carpets, producing their red carpets, working with a lot of reality stars, you know, back in the day. Um, for nightclub appearances and paid social. And that really opened up my eyes to kind of what this space really has, where there is a huge influence with some of these stars that, you know, come off of these three shows. You and I know that we love. And it's, it's one of those things that, you know, they, they, they tell their audience something, their audience listens, their audience trusts them. and And I knew there was something there. And so, from that, it stemmed to, you know, me wanting and, you know, kind of getting that urge to be in the entertainment industry. So, I came out to L.A. and, you know, found APA, and I found an opportunity here because they really didn't focus on, you know, digital first. They they had the reality star kind of roster. They knew what they were doing with the likes of, you know, many of those housewives that we love and follow to, you know, the Kardashians and a few others, and it really helped, me opened my eyes about kind of what, what the, the power that they had via their social. And that just stemmed into kind of like exploring, you know, the beauty world on YouTube, exploring the food world in regards to blogs and just that lifestyle space in itself with, you know, these, these folks that have such massive audiences that, you know, these people trust them and they want to know what they're wearing and what they're doing. And, you know, they, they want, they aspire to, you know, I don't want to say aspire. I think it's definitely an inspirational element that you know, these people really trust that they're doing the best that they can, and that they're going to provide their audience with, you know, the best products, the best services, the best restaurants that they're going to, the best ways to do things. Um, and so, for me, it was really honing in on that beauty, food, and lifestyle space for our department here at APA, because. It really is the DNA of our department, and so we, you know, found you named them off, but we found you know really great creators within those spaces that you know we have a passion for. We want to work with, and they also have a passion for and want to you know do really great business. So it's just you know really pinpointing those types of creators that we want to work with, and helping them build their you know build their futures that they want. <laughs>
1: That is so awesome. I just, I I love, I love kind of just hearing you, you know, talk about that. I mean, you and I totally geek out about this kind of stuff all the time, but just really being able to kind of hear you share it is really neat. And I want to kind of touch on a little bit about. For those who really may not fully understand kind of the role of an agent, can you tell us a little bit about Mm -hmm. kind of essentially what an agent is and their role within an influencer's career and really kind of the difference? Because I know that you talk about, especially with you kind of focusing on digital and branding and, and branded content, like what does that mean and how is that different from, say, like an agent who reps like, you know, TV actors or something like that?
2: Totally. You know, the trad- traditional sense of the word agent, you know, they they are a business person. They are they are an extension of you in regards to securing opportunities, whether, you know, in the acting world it's securing great roles on those T V shows and film that we love to go see. In, you know, the music world it's securing gigs and you know, planning out that tour. For us, we find ourselves to be a little bit more managerial when it comes to agenting. Um, You know, yes, we do the traditional, you know, go out, find a brand, connect a brand, let's do the deal. But we also look at it from a larger sense of, you know, what's the strategy? Is the strategy that you want to be forever on YouTube?
1: Hmm,
2: Probably not. But there's got to be something else out there. Is it, you know, you have an aspire to be a host okay, what category of hosting do you want to work in? Is it something where you want to tie your YouTube genre to that, or is it completely separate? And so we really map out what the strategy looks like and build upon it while still securing, you know, branded opportunities and stuff like that.
1: That's so awesome. So I really want to go kind of um, behind the scenes for a minute and get a little inside peek into your mind to see how you think and really how you make decisions in a way that can kind of serve our listeners who, you know, maybe from your perspective and what you see every day, like what is the number one challenge that you see influencers or maybe even people who are wanting to become, say, full-time bloggers or full-time YouTubers currently having?
2: I would say the bloggers and influencers just starting out. I think it's trying to find that line of authenticity because you want to be true to who you are. You want to be true to what you know. Um, I think, you know, as as your following continues to grow, they're going to be able to see through kind of that mask if you're trying to hide something. Um, and, you know, we're all human, and things happen, and, you know, you may post something on Facebook that may, you know, contradict something that you posted on Twitter, but I think if you could be mindful of what you're saying on every platform and just being truly authentic to who you are, you're going to be just fine. When it comes to the more experienced influencers, those who see that they're growing, they're starting to get some incoming inquiries for business, my biggest thing is being able, being comfortable with saying no to an opportunity if it doesn't make sense for your brand. A lot of people see the dollar signs and they're very excited and they're like, I'm making it. But if the brand or the, the opportunity just doesn't make sense for either the content that you're producing or the direction that you want to take your strategy or just you know it's not going to do well for your audience, say no. It's okay to say no. And sometimes those brands will come back with even more money <laughs> after you said no and say, no, we really want to work with you, you can reassess there and see if it's something that you want to do. Or, again, you can, no, it's okay to pass on opportunities. You're not going to ruin a relationship. There's a a way to say it so that you don't. But definitely don't be afraid to say no to opportunities that just don't make sense for your brand.
1: I think that is one of the best tips that you can really share with anyone out there. And I, I love what you said about, you know, making sure that you kind of see the opportunity from both sides. And and that was kind of goes into my next question that I had for you about understanding authenticity. Um, you know, I know that that may be a word that is kind of used a lot, um, but not only to describe, you know, your own mission as an agent, but that of your clients. But as you just kind of touched on, so I know that you see it and I've seen it too. There's a lot of, you know, influencers or bloggers who may align with brands just to kind of monetize without having that clear strategy behind it. Um, And I love Mm -hmm. what you touched on earlier about saying that sometimes when you say no, the brands may actually come back with more if they really want to work with you. So I would love to hear about times that that May as, you know may have happened with you and, and, a, and a client kind of how you handled that, and for you to go into a little detail if you can about the importance of aligning with the right brands and really the difference between those short term you know gains, whether it's monetary or what have you, versus the long term goals, and really how to make sure that you stay authentic throughout the process as an
2: influencer. For sure. And I would say, you know, a great example would be one of our clients is a beauty influencer, YouTube, uh on YouTube, social media, all of that good stuff. And she is cruelty free. She only uses cruelty free products. It's you know, it's definitely ingrained into her brand. It is who she is, um, has never steered away from it. We had a mass market drugstore brand that, you know, was very excited to work with her unfortunately because the product didn't say cruelty free even though their you know their guidelines and everything online and all the information that you could really research and find out about them says that they do not test on animals unfortunately they because they are mass market they also sell to other countries that do require testing on animals so even though they don't do it here in the United States they do it elsewhere it's kind of a an interesting to be in because they can't put it on the packaging, but they you know they put out the information saying that they don't do it. So Peter and I, we kind of talked about it, and we were like, you know, it's a great opportunity with a great brand. Here in the United States, they don't test on animals, but as a digital influencer, your audience is not just here in the United States. It's not just in your state or your city. It's global, and it's one of those things that you have to be cognizant about because it's like you know you may have set some some of your fans that are overseas that you know are are following you because of the you know authentic voice that you have of not being you know not being not using products that you know test on animals it's just one thing that you know you just don't do and so we had to say no to the deal the the client was you know frustrated but you know we had to remind her that it's not a very centralized local business. You are a global business. You're talking to people in multiple countries that don't always, you know, don't speak the same language. But they, you know, have subtitles and, you know, they have access to, you know, devices that translate. And it's like you, you just have to be cognizant of those, those kind of your reach. Really, you have to be cognizant of your reach. And so I think it's it's one of those things where you know. That authenticity really shines through. Do your research with the brands, even if it's, you know, a brand that you love and you've loved for years and your mama used it and everybody did, you have to make sure that you check it out. It's something that is true to you, true to everything that you believe in, and your audience is going to remember if you said that you hated that brand two years ago and now you're working with them. So always remember that, too.
0: (laughs)
1: for sponsoring the show, I think that that's such an important thing that you just touched on, and, and and it's why having someone like you on an influencers team is so important. Because a lot of times influencers they don't they're not thinking in that sort of way, you know, kind of in this behind the scenes overreaching strategy kind of way. And especially when you talked about global influence, and you know that's another thing that when you have you know these influencers out here who are le- using these social media platforms that you can literally tap into on a global. Global scale. You do have to be very, very mindful of that. So I think that that is such an important takeaway that you just shared with us. And also, you know, one of the things that I really do find so fascinating about your job is not only your amazing clients, but your relationships with some of these really massive brands. And I know that you've worked on campaigns for brands like Maybelline and Garnier and Target, just to name a few, but I would love to hear from you on what you think is... I don't know, like the secret to influencers getting in front of brands in a way that really makes an impression and kind of makes the influencer stick out among the massive saturation that there is in this space.
2: For sure. Um, I've always told people, you know, if it's not a, a relationship that we already have with the brand, and even if we already do, I tell all of our clients, have conversations with brands. They're happy to talk. They, I mean, you have access to, you know, Instagram and direct message and tweeting at them and, you know, other means of communicating with brands, tagging them, letting them know that you use their products. There's nothing wrong with that. And that's a great way to, you know, for representatives to, you know, to take it back to the brand even if there is a relationship because would say, hey, you know, Manny loves that brand or Angela loves working with you guys. Look, I can show you. And so I think that's the biggest thing. Don't be afraid to have a conversation with the brand that you love. If there's an authentic, again, I'm using that word again, if there's an authentic relationship there that you, you know, you love Clarol, you want to use them, you want to talk about them all day long, tag the brand, let them know, look what I just did to my hair because of you guys. Thank you. And, you know, just continue those conversations.
1: I think that's a wonderful takeaway. And I think that that's something that a lot of times people just, I don't know. It's it's always so funny to me that I think just kind of it's like social media is a place that we are supposed to connect with people, but yet people are so terrified to like actually have a conversation with people on social media sometimes. So I think that it's, it's so important to remember that and be mindful of that. And I would love for you to also share, if you can, what are some ways that influencers can kind of best prepare and prep themselves to make an impression on a brand. Um I know that you talked about just kind of like, you know, have conversations with brands, you can find them online, you can find them on social media. But do you think that creating things like press kits or one sheets or the about me pages on your website, are those things really important?
2: Absolutely. I think those are all tools. Everything that, everything that we talk about are tools for this. You know, grandiose, hopefully, presentation to a brand and it turns into an opportunity. You know, I, I feel like a good one G, a little bit of information about you, why you started what you're doing, because I think that's a great, great thing that brands love. They love a good story. Um, Markers are storytellers, so they need a good story to play with. It may not be the great opp- greatest opportunity now, but it could be something down the road where they're like, you know what, Mother's Day is coming up. You, have a gr- your mo- you started your channel because your mom told you to find something that you're passionate about, and this was something that was passionate to you. We want to do something with that. So it's like find those stories, and feel free to, like, you know, customize your one sheet for each brand because some brands have a greater – you know, tied to Los Angeles, for example. Say that now living in Los Angeles, if you don't live here now, or, you know, was born and raised in Los Angeles, now I moved to, you know, wherever. So try to, you know, customize those one-shoots, provide some data. Um, I don't think you need to go too far-fetched into the data because there are enough tools out there. These brands are smart enough now to look up, you know, follower count, engagement, all of that, it's readily available. So really just tell your story with your one sheet. Um, if there are certain facts about you that they should know, um, I think that's important. I think if you have a family, you should spell that out. If you have pets, you should spell that out. People, people are looking for their ideal customer within you. And so if you can provide that, you know, hey, look, I'm the all-American girl, husband, two kids, and a dog, Hey, that's their target audience. So you look perfect to them. So I think really spelling it out on a one sheet is perfect.
1: That is such awesome advice. I just, I'm just soaking this all up. You know that I totally geek out when you, when you talk agent to me.
2: Um, (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Yes.
1: Um, Can you share with us some ways in which you've worked with a brand in a way that's kind of just tremendously benefited the long-term goals of client and the, the positive outcomes that you saw, it have not only on your client's career, but really on your own career and just kind of, you know, your own relationships.
2: Totally. I, I circle back to what we kind of talked about earlier in regards to saying no to a brand. Um, You know, brands will come to the table with an idea of what they want to do. Um, Here are talking points, here are the hashtags and the URL. This is what you need to say, blah, blah, blah. I, like to push the envelope where I tend to put things like that in front of our clients and say, what would you do if this was your campaign or if this was your opportunity? And they'll, you know, usually craft something really, really cool. And I'll flip it back on the brand and I'll say, Hey, thanks for sending this over. We actually want to do this. So they'll either take it and run with it or they'll say, no, that's not going to happen. Yeah,
1: that's, no, that's so smart. That's such a good, such a good takeaway. And, you know, I know that we've talked a lot about the brand side of things today, but I also want to talk a little bit about affiliate marketing Um, as, you know, we know that that is another kind of major way that influencers monetize. Um, But I really want to know your perspective on what you think is kind of like that happy balance between the two and how can an influencer really utilize affiliate marketing in a way that works for them and not against them. And and what I mean by that is, you know, you'll see influencers out there and they'll kind of just get so inundated with using affiliate marketing and using their links that they kind of just become this like walking billboard ad for an affiliate marketing company. Um, So I would love to kind of know your thoughts on that and, and how they can, they can use it. So where it kind of really supports their brand, and it doesn't become their brand.
2: For me, I think it's, you know, get creative. Get creative with the content that you're creating. Um, I know for affiliate it's very important for you to use, you know, specific links and, you know, coupon codes and all of that. But I, I feel like you can really hone in on you know, if it makes sense to do something on Snapchat or if it makes sense to do something on Instagram stories, which is huge. Um, I think maybe trying to play with the different platforms because I think it's so typical of people using, okay, here's my, you know, and I don't want to call out who it is, but it's just like, you know, here's my, you know, I like this, so you should know it, um, post, (laughs) you know, go check this out, blah, blah, blah. I think, you know, Again, everybody has their their place in the field. But I think there are smart ways, you know, integrating it to a YouTube um, video, integrating it into some of these, you know, platforms that don't last uh, or the content doesn't last that long, um, just so that it's not too much in their face. Um, I also think don't let those programs take you away from being, I'm going to say it again, authentic. Because I've, I've seen it day in, day out, where it's like, you know these these affiliate marketing yes. companies god bless them because mm-hmm. they will say oh cool go do this and you're going to get an extra you know percentage this week and i see the same posts from the same ladies and gents mm-hmm. and i'm like oh y'all are trying to get extra 20% i get it but it's like don't let that dictate you know your content if there's an authentic way to you know, integrate it into your content cool if there's not You don't, don't, don't get hungry. I think that's the biggest thing. It's just like, you know. The thirst is real. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. It's like, just, you know, let it, let it be. Cool. Thanks for sending that. Mm, Doesn't work out with my, you know, series that I'm doing this week or what I'm you know, what's going on on my, YouTube channel this this month, but thanks.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, 200%. And and that kind of goes into what I want to touch on a little bit more when it comes to the authenticity and saturation as I feel that those are kind of like evil twins in a lot of ways. I mean, so it's like, what are things that you notice when it comes to influencers that do seem a little too forced or, you know, imitated, you know, whether it be their brand or their look or their concept. And I, I want to know more importantly, cause we kind of just touched on what some of those things are, but I really want to know from you, how do you think that that impacts the industry as a whole?
2: You know, I, I look at some, and there are a ton of folks out there who do a ton of branded content, some of my clients included. And I always ask, is that helping you get to the next strategy or the next goal? Is that a part of that long-term strategy? If it's not, why are you doing it? Because no one wants to see 10 posts about the same brand. You know, it, it gets cluttered. Are you, are you, you know, being your audience? Are they leaving? Because they're like, oh, you're just now a commercial and I'm, you know, what are they getting out of it? If there's an entertainment factor, cool. If there is a education factor, awesome. If they're not getting anything, they're just getting blasted with ads. They're gonna leave. They're not gonna be, you know, they're not gonna be, you know, your champion or your cheerleader. They're gonna, you know, cool things for the content by. They're not loyal. They're not. They're those are not the type of people that hit that subscribe button that want it, that are in in it for the long haul. If you know what I mean.
0: Where I think like that's so they, smart. Yeah.
2: Yeah. There, I, I see it all the time with like large view videos, it's like, cool, that person got a million views on that video, and their subscriber count is low, and it's like, hmm, cool, that was one in a million, that's great for them, like, cool, you were able to get a great viral video that went crazy, but where's your audience now? Where'd right. they go? Like, I can't, I can't take that and sell it to a brand of a longer-term strategy, because they're going to be like, hmm, that was a one-and-done, that was real quick, it didn't last. All those folks that were viewing that video are gone. They're off to someone else's crazy video that went crazy viral. I just think it's it's one of the things you just have to, as you as you agree to do these branded opportunities, take a minute, and sit back. I always tell clients if they have a question, or if they're kind of like, mm, I don't know if this is the right, sleep on it. Let's let's you know take a sleep we'll think about it we'll talk about it tomorrow and if it still makes sense then okay cool we'll make we'll go forward if it doesn't it's okay the power of no is how i run my business
1: so i want to also um chat about kind of if you can share a with us a shining moment in your career thus far you know what has been that one campaign that you have landed a client or something that you were just like, oh yeah, I'm awesome, I'm amazing, you know, I nailed this. And what kind of impact did it have on their career?
2: You know, every campaign is great. Um, of <laughs> I would, course, I, don't, I wouldn't do a deal if I believed believe in it. But yeah. I, I love the campaigns that come from, you know, really taking the time to hit the pavement, client and I arm in arm, and we go into these meetings with the brands, and we're just telling our story. You know, I'll talk a little bit about, like, the business side. They'll talk about the creative. We leave there, and we continue following up. We have great conversations with the brand, even after that, like, main kind of meetup. And then here comes this great offer. And it's like, that's why we did that. That's why we do, you know, the groundwork. That's why it's important for clients, you know, when they, when they come into, like, when they come become a client of ours, it's a good, like, two to three months before they're like, cool, got a brand deal, blah, blah, blah. No, it's we're sitting down. We're talking about strategy. We're taking the meetings with the brand that they're interested in, and we're telling their story because the brand only sees what, they, what you put out there. And if they don't, you know, they don't know that you don't have a dog or they don't know you've got two kids and that you are cruelty-free and that, you know, all of those things. They may not know because they don't have the time to watch every single one of your videos. They may see one or two videos, a couple of snaps, and an Instagram post. And like, cool, I think I've got a good picture. She's not the right fit for us. No, no, no. Let me and my client come in and tell you our story. And she's going to be the greatest fit for you ever. So I think for for that, that's that's huge. That's That always brings me so much joy because I know it works. And so when I can take a client, we go to meetings. meeting, the deal comes in, that's the reason why. And so it's like would would people talk about, you know, hard work and like it's all about the hard work. It it really is. It's about putting your foot to the pavement, walking up to those brands, saying, Hey, I'm gonna do business with you and this is my story and then here comes those offers. That's what that's why I wake up every day.
1: Oh, that is such amazing just inside, And I love what you said a little bit earlier about, you know, are you entertaining them? Are you educating them? Are you inspiring them? It's really all about creating a story. So would you say that, you know, ways in which influencers can really show up in an authentic way on social media is to really always be thinking in the mindset of that story? Like, you know, am I about to inspire someone? Am I about to make someone laugh? Am I about to educate someone? Is that really how they should approach their social media?
2: Absolutely, you're building a community, and you want that community to grow up with you. You know, a lot of creators, you know, say like six, to eight years ago, when this kind of like really started taking off. You know, they they were young, they were super young, they're you know maybe a couple last couple years of high school, um, getting ready to go into college, and they documented that. They they grew up with their community, they took them along for the ride, and you know, they were their audience was also going through the same struggles. Ooh. Puberty, ooh! My first boyfriend breakup, ooh! These clothes don't fit, but I want to fit in them because they look so good. And so it's like taking these people along for the ride it is one thing, but you know, just talking at them, you can't do that. You you have to integrate them. Whether it's you know, really cool opportunities for you to meet up with fans, really cool opportunities for you to, you know sweepstakes and like keep them engaged and you know make sure that they feel a part of your family. I think it's so important. And then, like you talked about, it's like the entertainment aspect of it as well. It's like, why are they coming to your channel? If they wanted a talking billboard, they could, you know, add to play before every one of my shows that, that I watch on Hulu. So, like, if I wanted to, <laughs> if I wanted to connect with those guys, I'll just do that. But if I'm coming to you, like, actively coming to your page, wanting to see what you're talking about, wanting to see what you're doing, mm-hmm. I better get something from this. Like I, I want some entertainment. I want to know what's going on. I don't just want, and I see this all the time, creators on Snapchat laying in bed, just telling me, Oh, Hey guys, this is what I'm doing. That's boring. I don't want to see that.
1: <laughs> totally. No. And I loved what you said about like, you know, if I, if I want to see that, I'll just watch a commercial, you know, on my Hulu. And it's like, who of us actually exactly. watches Hulu or watches TV to watch a, watch a commercial. Like none of us do. So why would we want to see that on <laughs> social media? It's, it's so true. Exactly. Um, well, okay. So I'm getting down to the loaded question here. Um, how does someone, a blogger, influencer, YouTube even go about finding an agent? You know, how, how, how does the agent find them or does the influencer find the agent first? How does that all work? And then how do you as an agent decide who to take on as a client and what are some of those key must-haves or essentials that that influencer needs or kind of what needs to happen first before you can really get serious about taking on a potential client.
2: Totally. I'm going to reverse engineer it just a little bit. First is always be authentic because I'm going to look at everything that you've done. And so if I find something where you're talking about, you know, well, XYZ over here and you're talking about blue, yellow, red over here I'm like girl that doesn't sound right and you're not being true to yourself you got some bad advice right um, number one <laughs> number two I would say get out there I, you know there, there are so many events these days Um, whether it's with brands, whether it's, you know, some of the, the cons or, you know, meetups and stuff like that, that are out there. If anything, you're going to meet other creators that are in the same boat as you are, and you should be collabing with them. That's how you're going to really grow your audience. Um, number three is don't be afraid to talk to some of the larger creators that are in the space. I, I see it day in and day out where, you know, they're they're still trying to create really cool content, too. And you may bring something special to the table that they don't know about. And they're like, oh, my gosh, that sounds great. And you're like, oh, I only have 1,000 subscribers. They're like, I don't care. That's cool content. Let's do this. Those are the people you should be talking to. So walk up to the mayonnaise and Patrick's and say, hey, I love that video you did with that cat eye. I've got a little bit of a twist on it. I have to do a collab. Nine times out of ten, they're going to say, hey, that sounds great. Let's talk about it. Sometimes, you know, depending on where they're at within the element they be busy, they, you know, things are happening, but don't be afraid to talk to other creators, especially in those safe spaces, like, you know, at some of the conventions and, you know, events and meetups, a lot of them are super intimate and you have the opportunity to go up to larger creators and try and build that relationship. Um, so that would be kind of like the how to get to a point of like being on my radar Um for us, the way we try to go out and find talent, I always like to, you know, and we've talked about it way in the pack, way in the past. Where the way my roster works is, I like to find the holes. I like to find creators that, you know, I, I don't want to have two to three of the same people. It's not fair to them. It's not fair to me. Um, I, I like to find folks that are different or have, you know, a different point of view. Um, it's interesting because we we don't have the same creators, but a lot of our creators do very similar deals um just because people are looking for that People are looking for diversity they want you know your good old girl next door, they also want your boy that wears makeup they also want you know somebody who travels internationally that has a family um, They have to hit all those points too, so why shouldn 't I build a roster that can do that for them um So for me, I think, you know, if somebody came up to me and said, hey, I've got a great, you know, channel, I've got some great socials, Um, I'd say, hey, do you have a husband? Do you have a daughter? Like that's, I'm not even going to look at the content first. I want to see what they're all about. I want to know like what their story is because that's what I'm selling in the room. I'm not selling a social media platform. I'm selling them.
1: That makes so much sense. And I loved what you said about the collaborating and really getting out there and kind of, you know, that's kind of a way that let's say if there's an influencer out there that doesn't have representation, those are some kind of tips that they can do to try and connect either with brands or companies or potential, you know, other influencers to, to collaborate and really kind of start legitimizing their career more. Wouldn't you say?
2: Absolutely, and that's how it is in this space. It's everyone's trying to look for the new, cool, best content to go up, and maybe they just they're just not thinking of what that that cool trendy piece is going to be next and another creator comes up and says hey i want you you're so good at eyes i'm great at lips why don't we collab and create this cool look put a little bit on your channel put a little bit on mine you're cross-pollinating the audiences which is great for your traffic but you're also giving your audience something different and they love that they i mean we're we're in such a early stage of content creators. You know, this hasn't been around long. There's no proven strategy. We can all talk about great practices, but we're all throwing spaghetti at the wall. And so it's like, you know, if we can throw something different at your audience and they're in love with that, that may just open up a whole nother avenue for you of like, Oh, they want to see other people on my channel and they want to see my looks on those people. Let's do that. So who knows what those conversations could turn into?
1: that's so smart and i love the whole the whole phrase of just throwing spaghetti at the wall because i think that that's a lot of uh, a great analogy to use because there's a lot of bloggers or influencers or youtubers out there that i even come in contact with and they're always like you know well, you know, when it, you know, what makes a brand choose to work with one influencer over the, over another, or what's kind of that, you know, really that winning factor when it comes to, you know, landing deals? Is it the powerful agent? Is it the massive following? Is it being able to garner media and press? Is it a mix of that or none of that? And my always answer is like, I don't think that there is a perfect answer. You know, I think that we're all kind of in this game together, really testing, a lot of different things out to see how we can make the spaghetti stick. So, I mean, would you kind of agree yeah. with that or do you have any other, um, you know, kind of foresight into that as well?
2: No, I totally agree. There's a lot of different factors. You know, how did that person who's making the decision, how'd they wake up this morning? <laughs> I mean, to be really honest, that's, that's a factor. Did, are they having a good day? If they're not, then whew, my client's definitely not going to get the deal. Um, you know, how do how do your tools look? Is your one sheet on par? Do you have updated photos? You know, are are all your stats on point? You know, is, you, is it customized a little bit to that brand? I'd hate to send a one sheet to a food brand that I customize for a beauty brand. It's not going to make sense. You know. That, on top of, what does your follow-up look like? Are you annoying? Are you, um, you know, assertive? Are you aggressive? Are you not following up at all? There's so many different factors that play into, how do I get that deal? Um, I think when it's meant to be, it'll come. Um, You do everything you're supposed to do. You follow the tactics. You do, you know, you follow your strategy. You're authentic. There it is again. Um, Those opportunities will come. I think it's you know it's just a matter of time. Some people are are getting brand deals when they really shouldn't be. They're still trying to build out and figure out what their content's supposed to be, but they've got some brands coming in and they're like cool i I hate to say, but I feel like that brand's probably dictating what direction they're going in regards to their content, and it may not be the direction that's you know uh, the overall strategy it may not fit and so I'd hate for someone to work for work with a brand that you know maybe they have a, a decent sized following and the brand's going to pay them a good, a good chunk of money and they feel like cool I'm going to do this it doesn't make sense why would you jump into that that's going to take you off course and somebody like me I'm going to go back I'm you should see some of the videos I've reviewed, but it's like I, I go back to your very first videos, and I try and skim through all your content. I want to see who you've worked with, who you haven't worked with. Why would you do that video for that brand? That doesn't make sense for your strategy, and that's a red flag for me. So if you want to work with somebody that you know wants to work with you, make sure that you're being really honest with who, what you're trying to achieve, because if you're not, it's going to show through, not just through your content, but... The internet doesn't lie; it's out there.
1: Oh, that is such such good wisdom, and I, I really, what you said about you know people are out there doing brand deals they really shouldn't be is totally just hitting the mark right now. With you know even what I just see as not only you know a blogger and an influencer, but just as a consumer, and I think that that's a lot of the issues that you have. Kind of some of these these newer influencers coming up with the smaller followings, and they just. Immediately start to compare because they see these people that are you know getting all of these brand deals and they don't really seem to have any form of strategy and and I'm like yeah but what's going on today may not be going on you know six months from now three years from now five years from now you know so you really do kind of have to have to think about that 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 long term you know uh, strategy there. And, um, you know, I know that for you as an agent, a lot of your secret lies in your strategy. But for our listeners at home who may be getting stuck on that idea of strategy and can't really figure it out for themselves of what really works, what advice do you have for them? And how can someone who doesn't have a team start to strategize? Is there like one tip or one first step that they can take?
2: Absolutely. I think you need to figure out what your goal is. It doesn't need to be a five-year goal. It doesn't need to be a three-year goal. What is your goal for next month? What's your goal for six months from now? What's your goal for a year from now? You know, I will take on a number of clients and we'll talk to them and they'll be like, oh, I want to be an actor, a serious actor. Okay, that's great. What can we do? To get to that point, you know, are there classes we can take? Are there, you know, improv that we should be attending? Are there, you know, different kinds of exercises we should be doing? So I think it's figuring out what those goals are and building your tactics from there to achieve that. And that's your strategy. I think, you know, the biggest thing that we always look at you know, we have goal-setting meetings with all of our clients. We have strategy meetings with all of our clients and their larger teams where sometimes they have managers or publicists involved as well. And it's like, are we doing everything we can today to get to where we want to be tomorrow? And if we're not, let's figure out, let's reassess. There's nothing wrong with reassessing. I think so many people get hung up on, oh, I have to do this because of my goal. Oh, if you're coming in with that attitude, you're the goal's not right. Like, you need to find something that makes you happy, makes you excited to put out that content. I can't tell you enough how many times I've met creators that are, you know, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed on their YouTube channel, but you meet them in person and you're like, what happened? (laughs) And I think it's, you know, they're just not doing what they want to do, but they're forced because they've got this massive audience. No, it shouldn't be like that. It should be, you know, these people are doing this because they love their community. They love their audience. They love the content they're putting out there. And that, maybe that's trying to get them to their next goal of you know, professional hosting. But they know that they have to own it right now because that's what they love doing. Their audience loves them so that they, when they do transition, their audience is still going to come with them. And if they they don't come with you, you did something wrong. There was something, you know, let's find out what happened here. Oh, you did that brand deal, which took you off track in regards to your overall content strategy of providing these great tutorials. This one took you off to do something else. And it's like, hmm, your audience is confused because they came to you for beauty. You're showing them housewares. You didn't give them a smooth transition into that. And now you're going and hosting a show on Food Network. It's not making sense to me. So I think that's the most important part. Look at the goals, make sure you build your tactics, and reassess as much as possible.
1: Oh, those are such, such good tips. Um, you're killing it today, Dustin. I'm just slurping all of this up. Um, so I want to, trying to bring gear. it all in. Yes, you are. And you're so good at that. That's why I just I knew I had to have you, you know, to have this fantastic conversation with me. And I want to switch gears over to sw- social media a little bit more and the role that that plays on an influencer's career. So I would love to know mm-hmm. what you think, you know, 2017, 2018 is the most effective effective. social media platform for influencer growth. And if you think, this is kind of like two questions in one, if you think that there is a secret to specifically YouTube and what your advice to anyone would be who wants to start a YouTube channel but may be afraid to pull the trigger.
2: Absolutely. First, I'll start with the social platforms. The social platforms that are going to work best for you are going to be dictated by your goal. If your goal is to be an international, you know, beauty, you know, expert, then I, I would honestly say Facebook into Instagram is going to be your, your main platform. Facebook has the largest international reach. Facebook's available in a ton of countries that, you know, Twitter and Instagram even and Snapchat are not available in. And, you know, the traffic doesn't lie. You you can look at the analytics and tell that. Um so that would be, you know, one scenario for, you know, what platform is best for me. I, you know, from a personal standpoint, I, I love Instagram. I love the ability to, you know, share photos, share videos. I We do some really cool branded content with the new slide feature. Um, I, I love messaging people that I may not have a, you know, a relationship like we do, but I can talk to folks from other countries and, you know, other areas of the business and just hit them up on there. Um, I like the functionality between Facebook and Instagram, but, you know, for me, I, I see where Snapchat could be super important. I, I don't think the strategy for Snapchat is really solid yet. I think, you know, because there's so much data that's not available to the general population, it, it, it's hard to to measure it, and I I'm a, I'm a measuring fiend when it comes to like data. So if I can't measure it, I don't want to do it. And so Snapchat still has me up in the air. Um, Twitter, unfortunately, great for conversations, but the traffic's just not there. Um, so Facebook, Instagram, super important, high drivers of traffic. Um, if you have an outside like a blog or something like that, Facebook's great for that. Um, I also think Facebook is stepping up their video game, and they're going to give YouTube a little bit of run for their money, so I think, you know, utilize the Facebook Live feature. It's great to build your Facebook page if you haven't been able to do that. I know I'm giving a lot out there, and I apologize, but it's just, like, as it comes. Um, and then for YouTube, specifically, YouTube's algorithm is... Everyone needs to remember that YouTube is a search engine. Um, their algorithm changes more often than i think i change my pants but <laughs> i i feel i feel like it changes so often and frequently and you have to adjust with it so one day it's about great content and another day it's about making sure that your tagging things are appropriate that uh, are appropriate the next day the next day it could be you know, are you talking about something topical? Are you talking about something red? Like, it really just depends on, on where the algorithm is that, you know, week. honestly. it's I think producing great content, making sure that when you produce that great content, you cut it for multiple different platforms. Make sure you cut it for YouTube. If you don't push YouTube and that's not your driver of traffic, it, put it on there. Own the space. Start planting the flag because um, who knows where your strategy is going to go in regards to getting you to that goal. Um, If you're a blogger, you know, Pinterest is huge. Um, But we're talking YouTube right now. Um, So I I think plant your flag on YouTube, even if it's not part of your strategy today. Um, If it is part of your strategy, make sure, you know, your titles and your description and your keywords are all matching. I know that's an important factor. Um, produce really good content. Nobody wants to sit there for 30 minutes and watch something really crappy. Um, Nobody also wants to sit there for 30 minutes, so make sure it's not that long. Um, (laughs) But also also just think, you know, do your thing. I I think people are so caught up in the details, and I I have people on a daily basis come in and like, I want to start a YouTube channel. Okay, start it. What are you doing? Well, I don't have the equipment. And I'm just like, those are just excuses. You have an iPhone? Cool. That's a really great camera. You can really start. Um, You know, look back at some of the legacy channels that I represent. Those YouTube videos were not shot on this beautiful camera with all these lights. No. It was a quick point and shoot. It was nothing crazy. But it at least got them started. And it got their audience talking. It helped them. Get to where they are today. And I think that's the biggest point. If you want to do something, do it.
0: Oh, that's such,
1: such good points about just getting out there and just starting to create the content. Because I think that people tend to get so hung up on that, they just end up never creating at all. And um,
2: Oh, for sure. Many right? people are like, oh, I don't want to put it out there if it's not perfect. Honey, there's no such thing as perfection. Mm-hmm. you got to get it out there in order to get feedback from your audience. How are you going to grow? How are you going to get to the next video? How are you going to get to the, you know, 20 videos from now? If you don't know what your audience wants.
1: Yep, that's so true. And really just kind of testing it out and see. And, you know, I want to kind of talk to you about looking onward. And I know that you mentioned Instagram, the new Instagram slides a little bit ago, but what are some other trends that you see or that you think will really start to be making new waves in the influencer space? I believe that Facebook now has like a Facebook story that they just launched the other day. Um, kind of going off of the whole Instagram story thing. So I would love to know how you think all of that's going to start, uh, incorporating into this space.
2: For sure. I think, you know, taking it back a little bit to, you know, when Instagram video came out, it was very, very weary of like, what are we going to do here? What does this mean? I'm like, you do videos all day on YouTube. All you have to do is shorten it, give them just a little preview and you're fine. um, I I really do think those quick, fast tutorials, whether it's cooking or in beauty or, you know, could be crafts, um, could be, I don't know, I'm trying to think of, like, other, could be even automotive, uh, could be, you know, somebody doing a quick little oil change. I mean, that could be fascinating to me. Um, It's a quick little video. I think those quick snippets are going to be they're still huge, but I don't think they're going away anytime soon. As a as a consumer of content, we're hungry. We want to get everything in as quickly as possible. Um so we just, you know, those quick little videos are great. I think the the Instagram slide is a little difficult because sometimes if you slide too much, you go into your messages. If you slide just a little, it doesn't do anything. Um I think they're still working out some some things there. But I think that's an interesting feature. Um I think The going live properties on all these different platforms, I think those are great. It's it's a disruptor because like somebody goes live, I get a notification. It's like oh, I pause my day and I go check check out that, or you know, can I go check it out later? Um, I think those are interesting. Um, I think what else is going on? I think longer form longer form format videos on Facebook are going to play out interesting over the next year, year and a half. Um, Facebook has been indexing a lot of videos, and so they're going to, again, like I said, they're going to give YouTube a run for their money. You're going to be able to search video. You you can already do it. And that,
1: you mean, what does indexing can... mean? Just so we know our listeners are clear on that.
2: Yeah, so when you go in and do a video, you put in a keyword. So it's like, this is a hair tutorial, um, brown hair, um, <laughs> wedding, up t- you know, in kind of those, like, keywords or descriptors of the content. So they're they're indexing, they're filing away um, what videos fit within a lot of those categories so that when I go on there and search, it's going to be quick, just like YouTube. It pops up, here's some suggestions, do you want one of those? And it's like, oh, okay. So I think that's where they're going to start giving YouTube a little run for its money in regards to traffic. Plus, Facebook already has great international reach, so does YouTube. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. So I like to tell our creators, if you put up a YouTube video and that's your main source for traffic, um, maybe do a behind-the-scenes video or something a little different that you put on Facebook, just so that you're hitting both kind of audiences with similar content but each are giving a different point of view. So it's like, here's the finished product. Here's how I made it.
1: Well, and I think that that's so important too, because it's going to allow you to grow those other platforms. For example, if I, if I put something out on
2: Instagram,
1: that's the exact same thing on Facebook, then what's going to make those Instagram followers go over to Facebook to see it when they can just see it on my Instagram.
2: Exactly. You have to, you, you have to diversify your content portfolio. So it's like, if i'm If I'm putting things on Facebook, I know I need to put something on Instagram, could be behind the scenes, could be a different perspective of what I did could be you know, like I said earlier, if here Instagram has the final product, Facebook has the breakdown of how I got there um but you have to put all of your content in different pots. That's why I said if YouTube's not part of your strategy now, at least plant your flag there because who knows where you're going to be going forward? Facebook could shut down tomorrow. I don't think they're going to. But if it did, you at least know, cool, I've got things on YouTube, I've got my blog, I've got Twitter going, like, I'm not, I'm not dead. So I've still got things going on. Um, I think so many content creators are so hot and heavy on Instagram. I have everything on Instagram. I have a million followers on Instagram. That's wonderful. What happens if Instagram's down tomorrow? Because their servers, you know, something went down. What does that mean for you? And so it's like, I I, I always like to poke holes in strategies because that makes you think and it makes you kind of reassess, which I think is so important to grow.
1: That's such good tips and so much good advice that you just drove home and such a good reminder to kind of remember um, that we as creators don't own those platforms. We don't own the content that we put on those platforms. So we have to be mindful that, like, as you said, I don't think it's going to go away either, but you know, Facebook could blow up tomorrow. Instagram could be sold or, you know, whatever that that could happen. So it's great to be mindful of that. And, and to really wrap up this fantastic conversation that we had today, um, I would love to know what does influence that word, that idea, what does that mean to you?
2: Influence? Good question. I think everybody's an influencer. Um, I, I think, you know, I could recommend my mom to go get the iPhone seven because I love it. (laughs) Um, and she's she's going to take my advice because she trusts me on technology. Um, for one to influence another, or for a piece of content to influence someone, it, it, it's a suggestion. It's a it's a a trusted suggestion. I, I think of you know a product, a service, a um, a TV show, a clothing item, a candle. I mean, it, it's one of those things. To influence another is a is a is almost a promise that it's going to work for you. It worked for me. I think it's going to work for you. Um, so I would say an influence is a promiser and they're just throwing out a ton of promises.
1: <laughs> I love that. An influence is a promise. That is, that is a beautiful way to say that. And you know, Dustin, where can everyone find you if, if you actually want <laughs> to be found online, um, yeah. where can they search you?
2: Well, out? I would say Earth Cafe on Melrose in Los Angeles <laughs> on a Saturday afternoon. but um,
1: For all of our stalkers out can, there.
2: For all of our stalkers, I'll be there. Chai latte. <laughs> that's what I want. Um, yeah, you know, and I, I, I almost am embarrassed to say this because I've been saying it the entire time while we, we've been talking. But on all my social platforms, my handle is Authentic Dustin. Yes. Um Because there's nothing more true to yourself than being authentic. I think, you know, I drive it home in my personal life. I drive it home in my business. If you're not going to be real, you're just fake. And who wants to be friends with a fake person?
1: (laughs) True. It's so, so true. Well, now, if I could tell you guys listening today anything To take away from this, you know, if you struggle with strategy, authenticity, streamlining those efforts and really focusing down and you really want to feel in your heart that you can take action and find some clarity for your own influence and brand, I would really encourage you to check out the show notes of this episode where I lay out some of the fantastic and important takeaways that Dustin drove home for us today. You can find those show notes at www.influencerprojectpodcast.com. And Dustin, I just, again, want to thank you so, so much. I know that you and I could literally talk about this kind of stuff all day long. You are such a wealth of knowledge, and I truly honor your insight and your expertise in this space and appreciate your work and everything that you're doing for the influencers in this industry. So thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Thank you for having me. I had so much fun.